Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, and the president and a bunch of people in the White House come down with COVID, and we still have parades with no masks in his honor. I'm pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's fine. He's hard at work signing blank pieces of paper with his name on them. But in two different locations, yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes apart. I'm Robert. I'm Sarah. And this is Pump Up the Minute, where we are looking today at minutes 49 through 52 of Pump Up the Volume. Which begins with Mark noticing a letter and stopping having sex with his mother's ballet dress. There's interesting framing immediately, because he sits on the couch and he is framed between his mother's ballet dress and what looks like a leather jacket, which I would guess at this point is his father's, from when he was like a rebel back when he was younger. So he's framed between the symbols of his parents. And he taps on his mic, says time out. He goes and gets the cordless phone, sits in his chair, turns down the music, changes the lighting. And says, this is good, this is very, very interesting. And he calls up a character. This was in my notes, I have this as casting confusion note number one. In the script, this character is Matt. In the credits, I think this character is Chris, played by Matt McGrath. So I labeled them in my notes as Chris and Matt, both. And he's got an ASU Sun Devil shirt, you know, Arizona. He's got a swimming trophy on his desk. He's got a, a sports car poster on his wall. Couldn't figure out what poster it was because his room's really dark. And they start talking. He says, hello. Mark says, hi, it's me. You're on the air. Are you willing to tell my listeners what you told me here in this letter? I think they're ready to handle it. And Chris says, I'm not ashamed. And so Mark says, so tell us what happened. And he proceeds to tell. Oh, by the way, at this point, it's noticed Mark's floor is a mess. He's got clothes and books and papers and shoes and everything on his floor. His room is not taken care of. So do we see it getting progressively messier? You're talking about Chris slash Matt's floor. No, Mark's. Mark's floor. Yeah, so Mark's Um I don't know. I We don't see the floor very often. We see, like, the desk and stuff on the couch. The couch has definitely gotten messier as the movie went. Is it because he's tearing out the things like the ballet dress and the props that he's using? Probably, so? yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, maybe by later it's even worse. There's just stuff everywhere. It's becoming chaos. And I like that Chris slash Matt says he's not ashamed because they're dealing with shame in the mm-hmm. last episode. Yeah. Says I'm tired of feeling ashamed, and so he says I'm not ashamed. Yeah, it's a good callback by the movie and also by him because clearly he's listening well, to the yeah. show. And he he knows who he's getting called here when the phone rings. Uh, he says this guy I knew invited me up to the ridge. Well, I wasn't really sure why, but I was really happy because he's pretty cool. He's an athlete and everything. Mark. Asks him when this was and how old he is. Just before school, I'm 16. Tells him to go ahead. Chris starts telling the story. So we get up there, we take off our shirts, we start fooling around. And we get a shot of Nora wandering around a room. She has new artwork. Now on her wall, in addition to the ones we've already seen, she's got one labeled as Butthead. There's a Mr. Maniac and there's a Talk Hard. I think we may have seen the Talk Hard in the last segment, but I didn't note it. Uh, Nora's art, by the way, is by an artist named Michelle Gallagher. Did all the artwork. Um... Nora gets her mug, she's drinking, she's got a clothesline of hats, even though I don't think she ever wears a hat in the film, we did see her playing with one a couple segments ago, and so she's listening still, we're going to get some more reaction shots from people in this segment, but most of this segment is a back and forth between Mark and Chris, and so Chris continues, I sort of told him how much I liked him, he just smiled and said he knew it, 
But then he says, why don't we take our pants off and get a tan? So I did it, but he stalled. Mark tells him to go ahead. We're getting, like, close-ups now as is in this conversation. He says, and two of his friends showed up, and they were drinking beer. And they were drinking beer and laughing. They took my clothes and threw them up in the trees. I didn't know what to do. I started to cry, but they just laughed at me. And here we get a shot of Maz, who's back in his car, listening very intently. Though he was out, you know, partying and screaming just a few, just a minute ago. So I stopped, then they started calling me things. He says, I don't even care about that. And we see Nora now has, has sat down. Framed between the uh, posters that say nuts and talk hard, which is a funny visual. She has a can of best test paper cement uh, next to her, which is very prominent on the thing, but it's a really weird if it's a product placement. <laughs> Although I did copy in my notes, best test paper cement is the overwhelming choice of commercial and fine artists, crafters, and teachers. Unlike multi-purpose glues. Best test paper cement will not shrink or wrinkle the paper when adhering it's a true adhesive dries quickly and clear. I don't think it's a product placement, though, because it's just a weird product to do. Unlike the Pepsi. And Chris continues, I mean, I know I'm into guys, but this was different. Mark says, so what did you do? Chris says, everything, everything they told me. And to this point, we cut to Deaver, who is at home with his wife. And he says, I'm calling the police. Fraud, pornography... He is just using those poor kids. Diva right away is doubting his story and not believing him and wanting to blame Mark for the situation, mm-hmm. which is common because not only while 90% of gay, lesbian, and bisexual students have been bullied during their school years, have seriously considered suicide. 30% have made an attempt at suicide. And the American Psychological Association shows very low numbers of school personnel stepping in to stop bullying against sexual minority students. And some of them, this is the school personnel, mind you, even participate in the harassment, according to this study. This is currently? Yes. LGB students are more likely to become victims of verbal or physical violence at school when schools do not establish a culture that embraces differences. Um, this quote says LGB because the people in the study identified as lesbian, gay, or bi. It did not include transgender students in enough numbers hmm. to be included, so that's why it's listed this way as LGB. Um, when an anti-gay incident occurs at a school, educators may not know how to respond, even when they're personally supportive of the students. Very likely, they, well, almost guaranteed, they grew up in a school culture where there was never any discussion about that or never yeah. any teaching of that. And that doesn't absolve them. They have the responsibility to now learn about it, since they haven't, and to do better. So... The teachers themselves who were surveyed and other school personnel said even if they wanted to, that they feared possible disapproval from the school principal of family or members of a community over their open support of LGBTQ youth. Wow. The CDC, because of this, is calling for a comprehensive prevention effort to tackle the disparities between LGBT youths and their heterosexual peers. A 
quote, tragically, when young people face multiple types of violence or other adverse effects in childhood, especially in the absence of support from family, peers, and communities, the consequences can be life-threatening, end quote. This is from Deborah Horry, the director of the CDC's National Center for Injury Prevention and Control. It's critical that we take action. It's it's weird. Um, this is anecdotal, but I've taught at high schools around L.A. where it doesn't seem as bad as that. Like people are nicer to the like the gay students are out and open about it. Although you still have high school students right next to them calling things gay as a like a negative. So it's sort of in a mix, but on a national level, yeah, I bet it's a lot worse. Yeah, and I would say even in those schools, like what we see is a very small percentage of what True. goes on, and it's what students as teachers what they want and are willing to let you see. Right. The students who are going to likely be engaging in the more overt bullying are probably more covert about it now, so they're mm, not doing yeah. it openly in class because well, they do it online. Exactly. Um, and so now this follows kids home. It's 24 seven. Um, when there's bullying and the film, I think it was bully. There were a few of them several years ago. Yeah. Um, a couple of the kids that they followed in that film were gay identifying youths and they were more in smaller towns mm. where they couldn't like get away or transfer schools. But I, I know, I mean, just from talking to people that I know personally, I know that bullying of LGBTQ kids definitely still happens in schools. So while there is a slow shift or some shift in acceptance, it's still something that's happening. And then going back to the sex ed statistics, more than half of states aren't even including or discussing LGBTQ health issues as part of their curriculum. And we'll have, I'll have some more stuff on that later in my notes. It's at this point in my notes that I have uh, finally looked up what laws Mark is breaking because fraud is questionable. Uh, the only fraud so far is him calling Deaver and claiming to be an actual radio station, which I don't think there'd even be a charge for that. In the script, Deaver does add, and he's broadcasting illegally. Now, by broadcasting after 10 p.m., Mark actually gets around charges for indecent and profane content, which he definitely has. So the question then would be whether or not simulating masturbation and calling it that is obscene or not, which depends on the local community. Obscene content does not have protection by the First Amendment. For content to be ruled obscene, it must meet a three-pronged test established by the Supreme Court. It must appeal to an average person's purient interest, depict or describe sexual conduct in a patently offensive way, and taken as a whole, lack serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Now, Mark is guilty of unauthorized radio operation, which is from 47 U.S. Code Section 301. I was looking up how much his uh, fines or penalties would have been, and I couldn't figure out exactly what they would be in 1990. But in 2012, the FCC proposed a $10,000 fine on a man in Manhattan, Kansas, and a $25,000 fine on a man in Miami, Florida, with repeated violations, for running unlicensed FM stations. And just January 2019, introduced in the House by Representative Paul Tonko, a Democrat from New York, was the Pirate Act, which PIRATE stands for Preventing Illegal Radio Abuse Through Enforcement. 
Um, this was signed into law this January 2020 by President Trump. Among other things, this amends the Communication Act of 1934 to make it possible for fines of $100,000 to as much as $2 million for running a pirate radio broadcast. Uh, Angie Martinez, a former pirate broadcaster in Flatbush, New York, is quoted in The Verge, 26th November 2019, saying, I don't know how you're hurting a community when the mainstream entities are not serving them, because the specific communication act, the original communication act, said that a radio station only had to serve its community. And so they didn't actually have licenses yet. Yeah, I'm wondering how with the repeal of the fairness doctrine, Hmm. has that contributed to a need for or an increase in, like, pirate radio? Uh, this was, the article I was reading was specifically about New York and like around the city of New York. And there's a lot of little local pirate stations that just give local news because the local news doesn't cover their areas. St- their areas. Yeah. And so they just do their own, which is cool. Yeah. But it, the specific guidelines are if you are broadcasting a signal more than, I think it's, was it 200 yards? I think was the limit. Which isn't far. No, not at all. Then you're breaking the law. That's two football fields. You wouldn't even get a block. There are exceptions for things like walkie-talkies and um, CB radios, although you do need a license to use a CB radio on a regular basis. And stuff like Marquette, he might even have some sort of license for it. He's using it in a different way than the license allows, but he might have a license for using it. And so, in meanwhile, as we're cutting to another scene with the police in the script, Mark says, what I'd like to do is go through this from the very beginning to the very end. Is that okay? And Matt, Chris, says, I was one, I was on my bike at the 7-Eleven, and we do hear, as we cut to the dispatcher, him in the background on the radio saying, I was at 7-Eleven. So they did record more of this conversation and play it behind people. As we cut to the dispatcher, says that's the 13th call tonight, so people are calling the police. And we're at the police station, and there's an interesting set dressing. It is someone's 40th birthday at the police station. Huh. Which, I don't know if they filmed in an actual police station and that was just there, or if that was just interesting set dressing, because I like it. (laughs) It makes it seem like a real place. And you were talking about how people didn't, uh, Deaver didn't believe the story. Yeah, neither does the police. Neither does the detective. Um, Credited as Detective Denny, but we'll get to that in a moment. His name, he says, sounds like the kid's bullshitting to me. And then another detective comes up and says, I don't know, things like that happen when you're a kid. And then the dispatcher answers another call. And before we get to the first detective's response, I just wanted to put, this is where I have in my notes, my casting confusion note number two, the racist edition. Because in the script, Alan Moyle was being weird. The dispatcher was a uniformed cop named Denny. The detectives, the white guy was Danny, and the black guy was Donnie. We'll hear in a moment that the black guy is named Donnie. But he gets credited as Detective Number One. The white detective gets credited as Detective Denny, which is not his name. Hmm. would also like to point out here that the black cop, Donnie, or Detective Number One, is the only one here saying, I don't know, things like that happen when you're a kid. So uh-huh. he's the only one actually believing that the story yes. might be real while... The white police officer and Shep Shepard and everyone and Deaver are all, yeah, not. Yeah. <laughs> the, the white guys aren't believing it, but he is. And then we get uh, Detective Denny says, you swallow it, Donnie. Of, yeah, of course, bad homophobic. Um, yeah, immediately. 
And then detective number one, Donnie, says, I think you're forgetting what it's like when you're young. And then we, we cut out of the police department for the moment. But yeah, so, of course, they're either not believing him, they're being homophobic, and uh, it's unfortunately realistic. Yes. And then we cut to um Shep Shepard and his boss, or his producer, and he's saying, not Shep, the, the boss, is saying, come on, Shep, they got some kid to call in with some story they concocted, so they don't believe it either. And this actor looked really familiar, and I could not figure out who he is in the credits, and it was bugging me, but I moved on. It's kind of odd. Do you think they actually don't believe it, or they just don't want to deal with it? I mean, it's not really that hard to believe that. It's not even that bad a story so far. I don't know what's unbelievable about it. Like, is it just they don't want to believe there's gay kids in the local school? Well, I think it's kind of a bad story. He's implying he was raped. But he didn't say... I mean, yes, potentially. But he didn't say that, which is the thing. Like, this story didn't get graphic. All he's really said is they threw his clothes in the tree and then he did whatever they wanted. And then every... Maybe it's a... All of them are immediately putting the worst thing on it. I don't know. I mean, if somebody takes you into the woods and throws your clothes in a tree, and then you have to do whatever they want, I don't think it's unreasonable to put a bad thing on it. True, true. Especially with Deaver, though, I think it should have... Not that I want the story to be like graphic and explicit, but it feels like Deaver jumped to a conclusion of pornography before there was one. Like, them just mentioning being gay was enough for him. Which I guess in 1990 is expected, maybe. And still problematic. Yeah, I mean, the pornography statement was weird. Is it even... Does pornography imply a visual? No. Okay. I didn't even know the exact definition of that. Like, if pornography could apply to a discussion on the radio. Pornography would not be the best word. He should have said obscenity which is a better description and a legal term. And this conversation is not obscene. Yeah, there's Other nothing, things Mark's done on the air right. might qualify Yeah, as there's obscene. nothing in this particular. But but that's that's the thing is the way they present it is we aren't given details and everyone has a huge reaction. And so it feels to me almost like they're reacting just to the fact that he has a gay kid telling a gay story. Yeah, which is interesting. They're overreacting. But at the same time, going to underreact. Because if they're overreacting to what they think has actually happened, they're then underreacting by saying it's fake and uh-huh. saying they're not going to do yeah. anything about it. So they're inappropriate on in both ways. And so Shep's producer continues, it isn't real. And Shep responds, who cares if it's real? People are riveted. Let's go. They're they are packing up outside the mortuary. And... I don't know if they show up on this night still already to the baseball field or or if they're just going back to the station, but we'll see Shep Shepard again later. And then we go back to Detective Denny on the phone, and he is saying, if people are rebroadcasting this thing over state lines, I think it's time to bring in the feds. This is FCC jurisdiction, which he's correct. It is not a police matter. And we go back to Chris telling his story. I feel bad that I didn't even do anything. I didn't even say anything. Now he won't even talk to me. He won't even look at me. I'm pretty confused. Which is kind of odd because he just said he did what they told him to do and now he's saying he didn't do anything. So seems like maybe he doesn't really want to 
share what happened either. The whole thing's kind of... Well, that's, yeah. That's also why I didn't necessarily think, like, he had been raped outright. Oh, well, no. Is I it... wasn't implying that right, okay. outright either. I don't know. More of a coercion. Yeah. Physical coercion of some type. It, which puts this... Pre- yeah. Which puts it in a weird position because then he still wants to talk to that, like... Mm-hmm. I mean, they're teenagers and that's the point. Is that even if, even if you're forced into it, you're going to feel like it, you were involved and it was part of your thing. But then Mark has a good response. He says, confused. You're not the one who's confused. You sound like you know exactly what's going on. If anyone's confused, it's those guys out there. And Chris says, I know, but I think about him a lot. And in the script, Chris adds, sometimes I think everything's just a practical joke. Like the only proof that God exists is this joke he's played on us. And then we cut to Emerson as he says in the movie, sometimes I wonder why one person is born one way and another person is born another way. And we get a close-up shot of Mark not saying anything in response. Which, to interject, is pretty progressive for a 1990 film, actually, to say, I wonder why one person is born one way and another person is born another way. I don't know. I mean, I can assume just because I know where you went to school and the school that, yeah, or the attitudes and beliefs of your school. But even in my pretty diverse public school in the early 90s, it wasn't a common belief that people were born that way. There were still a lot of people who expressed attitudes about homosexuality being a choice and about how it being a purposeful sin and all of that. And were there even discussions surrounding homosexuality? In my school, no. Mine was, uh, in case I haven't mentioned it, I went to a very tiny private school, (laughs) religious school, and it would essentially be, no, there weren't any gay people at our school, of course, and homosexuality was a sin. Yeah, which I'm and sure there that were. that was the extent of that conversation. I'm sure there were gay people yes. statistically at your oh, school. Yeah. They were just terrified to say anything about it. Exactly. And maybe questioned and doubted things themselves because they were told their whole identity wasn't valid or even a thing that mm-hmm. yeah, existed. So in my school, I had a close friend who was a guy who trusted me to just talk to me and tell me that he had like warm feelings for other guys. He didn't know if that made him gay or gay or straight. He didn't, he was just like questioning why he felt like he was straight and had a girlfriend, but still felt like affectionate towards guy friends in ways his other guy friends didn't seem to feel for each other. And it's just really sad that one totally separate from any sexuality Boys just weren't even told that they could be affectionate or have close yeah. friendships with men that involve feelings. No, so even men. even the thought that he had feelings for other men, he was questioning his sexuality. But questioning his sexuality was good, but he didn't feel like he could do so with just about anybody else. Hmm. Because even having that discussion was like, he's like, I can't talk to my mom about this. She's a very right-wing religious person. Yeah. She'd freak out if I told if I told her that. I can't tell my guy friends about this because then they're going to be like, "Oh my god, he's that way." And mm-hmm. he's like, "Um, my girlfriend will get mad." Like all of this stuff. So he felt like he couldn't really talk about it. And even in my public high school, there were 
a few guys who I dated and hung out with, and it was like, kind of knew they were gay, but not, like, they couldn't, they couldn't be out. Like, it wasn't until a decade later where they were actually. Which is interesting, because I, I realized, I don't know why, it, well, it connects, but I was thinking of the show My So-Called Life, which was on right after we both graduated out yeah. of high school. That was like 94. Mm-hmm. With an openly gay character as a main character in the high school show. Which, which is, I guess if it had been more popular, would have been a huge deal. Yeah. It was pretty uncommon for that time. There was a made-for-TV movie called That Certain Summer in 1972 that was directed by Lamont Jackson. And it was the first ever, at least that's how... Wikipedia and a few other sources Wikipedia drew upon are defining it as the first ever to deal sympathetically with homosexuality. The leads were two men who were fathers and, well, fathers of the same children. And it was produced by Universal Television. It was actually an ABC movie of the week. And it got a number of television awards and nominations and they're in the 1970s in the post-civil rights era there were starting to be openly gay characters on television but then the aids crisis of the early 80s yeah we we did continue backlash we did continue in the 80s to have openly gay characters in movies but they were usually for comedy purposes right and by comedy they were usually they were the butt butt of of jokes which Although I, I realized recently that a few of those may have been a big part of why I kind of got over what my school and church was telling me about gay people is because some of them were great characters who seemed like actual people and better than the other characters in the movie. What I'm thinking of is Hollywood in Mannequin. He's a better person than almost everyone in that movie. <laughs> you know, he's nice to people. He cares. So Yeah, I'm trying to think. I had no depictions that I can remember of gay characters growing up because a lot of my pop culture, again, was music. Mm. So other than a couple of songs, which really didn't deal with homosexuality very positively or the way it was in song was not overt enough that I would have known that that's what they were singing about or talking about when I was younger. And I wouldn't have been able to really watch any TV in my house with my parents, especially my father being the way he was about that. And so I don't even remember depictions of gay care, like regularly on TV before like Will and Grace. Obviously they were there, but in terms of my memory of like gay characters and mass media, it wouldn't have been until... Even a popular... Relatively popular sitcom like Bosom Buddies, which had plenty of room to talk about that, didn't. I mean, they used men dressed as women as a visual joke, but didn't comment on it and didn't ever deal with the sexuality implied, potentially. And so it's no wonder that we see CDC statistics with 90% being bullied and 30% having made at least one attempt at suicide if your entire existence is erased and invalidated or is told is evil and Mm -hmm. you don't have characters and you don't have people to identify with and this happens at 
school and then you go home and you can't talk to your parents about it because most parents would not have been sympathetic no. to it. Now, it's at this point where Mark is silent that I had in my notes. Uh, this is from a Washington Post article from 1990 by Patrick Welsh, 4th March, and uh, which these, there's two different quotes here, but the interesting thing is they're both in the same article. Homosexual students feel driven to suicide by their anguish, according to a recent Health and Human Services Department. Report on youth suicide, homosexuals between the ages of 15 and 24 are three times more likely to kill themselves than straights. Suicide is the leading cause of death among gay youth. Then there's also this, a few paragraphs later. Columbia professor of psychiatry Richard C. Friedman reports in a new book, the fact that so few homosexual youths develop severe psychological problems, given the enormous stresses they face, even suggests that many homosexuals have a special capacity for coping with adversity. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know why they include that. The article is a bunch of stories from like teenager, gay teenagers talking about their experience in school. And then they include the guy saying, oh yeah, they have a special capacity for coping. Yeah, which seems really harmful. Mm-hmm. It's like if we assume that somebody has some extra capacity. That doesn't mean do you don't something. have to do anything. Yeah, which is... I understand not the same thing, but brought to mind how doctors would act like black people have a higher threshold for pain so that they could withhold pain medication from them. There's something really insidious about acting like they have some special power to overcome bullying or to... Which also goes probably to the same thing for women. We see yeah. them as having a special strength for dealing They're with so all the stuff all that's the put emotional, on them. Yeah. And then that means we don't have to fix it because they can obviously mm-hmm. handle it. You know, so We don't have to do anything about it. But otherwise, this article was like really sympathetic to the people that it interviewed. I was like, it felt like that was against its entire point. Um, I would say if you are interested in helping, because there are still... A lot of gay youths who are homeless, who are kicked out of their their homes, who don't have family member support, who still don't have school support. I mean, we think a lot of times it's 2020, so these problems don't exist anymore, but they very much do. Even if there is more and better media representation, or even if there are programs and things to help, it or because doesn't there's mean better that. Stuff. Yeah, it doesn't mean that agenda. this doesn't ex- doesn't mean that this doesn't exist. So, one charity that I've or organization rather that I like to donate to is the Trevor Project. So that's who I had statistics from here. Yeah, you, you covered some of the information. So. Yeah, so they're a really good place to to donate to. Yeah, and so after Mark is silent for a moment, Chris says, "Are you there?" And Mark says, yeah, yes. Chris says, so I guess you think I'm, and he says a word we're not going to repeat here because it doesn't need to be repeated in that context. Um, and Mark says, no, no. I'm just thinking how strong people can be and how everyone is alike in some way. How, and that's where the segment ends. Uh, not quite to the end of the conversation with Chris, but we almost got the whole conversation in. And so we'll come back to that. Um... So you can also hear me on Life as a Playlist and follow my Life as a Playlist social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to hear more discussion of music, which we didn't have any of. I think this no, is like the no first episode. No, there was no music in this segment at all. 
and more social and political commentary. Yeah. None of my shows actually seem appropriate to promote after this, so I'd say just go to lemmingdrops.com and listen to all of them, I guess. Or keep listening to this one. Speak out! They can't stop you! Find your voice and use it! Keep this thing going! Pick a name! Go on the air! Your life! Take charge of it! Do it! Try it! Try anything! Fill your guts out! Say shit and fuck a million times if you want to! But you decide! Fill the air! Steal it! Keep the air alive! And you can follow this show on social media, Pump Up the Minute, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or go to lemondrops.com for likes. Talk hard! Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes